It's Tom again for the Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and WJSC Radio representative the Baby Boomers. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the Millennial Man is Jared Fatel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. The show is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio and is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the Z92.5 Castle Mid-Michigan Studios. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and suggestions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. The fellows will get it rolling right after this. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Get ready. Sheridan Realty and Auction has three featured properties selling August 19th. The Clinton Township property features a well-maintained three-story building with atrium near I-94. The Allen Park property features a multi-use three-story classroom building near major interstates. And the Flint property's eight contemporary buildings feature modern offices, classrooms, laboratories, and more. These properties will sell at online auction August 19th. Call or visit SheridanAuctionService.com for more information. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Welcome to episode 128 of Three Point Podcast. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, and Sheridan Auction Service. I'm Ted, Jared's here in the studio with me, and Matt's on the phone from North Carolina. Fellas, we got a, a fun show tonight. We're going to be checking in with Mick McKay, but before we do that, let's play a little catch-up, and I see Jared made it here right directly from the job site. Right from the job site. That just shows you that I, I dedicated. don't... Dedicated. Dedicated. I don't miss time, um, other than when it's uh, to golf, but, but <laughs> we'll see. But the one thing... I just have one thing in my catch-up segment. You know, what, what's been going on with me is there's been a big debate. Uh, you guys know I'm a big-time golfer, and we probably talk about my golf game a little too much on this show. We do. But... One debate that's been going around is when do you guys, where do you guys think that you should like play? Like from what tees? So for those who don't know, there's usually at a different at 
courses, there's about five different tees. You know, there's the there's the championship tees, which are the very furthest. There's the black tees, which are the next furthest. And there's the whites, which is usually where, like, any – usually the majority of golfers will play. Then there's the senior tees, and then there's the women's tees. And I got into a debate. I'm under the belief that until you can par a course from the white tees – you have to stay there. Then you move back to the blues. Then you move back to the blacks. Then you move to the champions, champion tees. That's the way I look at it. But I have pretty much found that I'm pretty much alone in that. Well, my my limited knowledge of proper golf etiquette, other than I know I would golf from the uh, senior or the ladies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I take my pick. But I I think you're legit golfing from the white, and it's a legit argument until you're a par golfer or close to par anyway. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always like had somebody who would say, "No, we're you know we're younger, we're in better shape, or you know whatever. Like we should back up." But then they're still like shooting twenty, twenty-five over par, and I'm like, "So like, what are you trying to prove by backing up? Let's just play from the white. That way, we're like actually enjoying it a little more, right?" And then if you're like shooting par, okay, yeah, back up. But I'm not about to like back up to some like farther back tees. Just because, like, I'm I'm younger, or I think I'm really good, because mm-hmm. then I'm just going to be shooting 110 every time. Like, there's no point to that. So you're in the total minority on that, Jared? Pretty, I've pretty much among my friend group and apparently on Twitter. That seems to be I seem to be in the minority on that. Even though, like, yeah, it's like, what do you get out of moving back to the blues or the blacks if you're just going to end up shooting like 20 over? Like, I don't understand what the right what the purpose of that is. If if you like you said, if if you're dominating it from the white, then you move back. I that's just, maybe I'm alone though. It sounds like you guys are with me. I'd, yeah, I'd like to take an opposite side, but I can't. I agree yeah. with you totally. Yeah, I mean, I know there. I know there are some leagues. Like if you're playing in a league or like a, a more kind of official scramble or a weekend tournament that requires you to play from certain tees. Okay, that's different. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going out with your boys and playing on the weekend, I, I would be giving people shit for playing from farther back tees. If they're hitting like six, seven every hole, I just feel like, what are you trying to prove? I'm beating you by 20 strokes just because you want to play back at the tips. There's yeah. no reason to do it. Makes no sense. Well, I don't know if we have anything else to catch up on. We got some sports to get into, and also we have our interview coming up. Uh, before we get to any of that, I just want to tell you Advanced Elevator Company has the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since the year 2000. Now before we get McCabe on, just a couple sports items I want to get off the table. Hey guys, we do have sports coming this week. Major League Baseball coming back. Uh, obviously, it's going to look a whole lot different, but Thursday night on ESPN, you got the Yankees and the Nationals, followed by a 10 o'clock Giants and Dodgers. Those are some just great baseball matchups for baseball fans. Jared, I don't know if you're going to be tuned into any of that, but the Tigers start off Friday night against the Reds. That's going to be also a good matchup with Nick Castellanos uh, now wearing a Reds uniform. I'm very excited to see some real sports, man. It's been so long. It has, and I will say I normally don't pay attention to baseball, as you said, but I'm going to give it a go. Opening day, I'm going to give it a go. And if you just saw today, the thing that we talked about, the thing that we were looking forward to most this entire year was the Astros. How are they going to be treated? And I loved it today. Two hit batsmen, right? <laughs> Two guys hit right in a row, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, and I'm just loving it. I want blood. I really do want blood. It's so lame. Like, you're, are you one of those unwritten rule things? Like, you're all in on the unwritten rules in baseball. I'm, I'm sticking to what I said 
six months ago or whenever it was, eight months ago when all this went down with the Astros. And I, I cannot stand that people are going to play this way the whole time with the Astros and act like they've never cheated in baseball. Okay, again, I'll say I know the Astros took it to an extreme level, but you're really just about to start beaning dudes over and over because you're going to get like up on your soapbox and your high horse and act like you're like better than the Astros because they got caught cheating. It's just annoying. I think unwritten rules in baseball are played out. It makes the game kind of annoying when the manager comes out and is screaming at the umpire like a belligerent idiot. I think that's stupid. That needs to go. There's just a lot of stuff in baseball that I think takes away from the game. You're going to sit there and just plunk dudes over and over for something that happened a season ago? Stupid. Yeah, you know, I think we're all over uh, with our opinions on that. I will say this. I was thinking about this whole COVID situation and the delay of baseball. If they would have had baseball right from the get-go, the Astros would have been the huge story mm-hmm. to start baseball. This kind of lit it back up. Yeah, you know, Because they were going to skate under the radar, I think, for the most part with this 60-game season. It. No, they didn't forget <laughs> it, obviously. And I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see more about that for sure. But uh, I get where you're coming from as well, Matt. Um, I mean, it's just like if I, if I want to watch a game and I actually want to enjoy it and say it was the Astros on opening night, Astros-Yankees, let's say, on opening night, I'm pumped up, I want to watch baseball. And then it's just a, like dudes getting plunked the whole time. It's like, all right, I'm changing the channel. This is stupid. Would you watch it? But you know what? But it's not, well, how can I? But you, it's not that enjoyable watching a game when they're cheating. Like, that just kind of ruins the fun of watching it. What's the point of even watching it at that point? I mean, people seem to love the Maguire Sosa home run chase when everyone was graded up. That's different. You'd be okay with that. That's different. Everyone was, everyone was using roids. There's a difference between that and using buzzers. Yeah, I mean, I. There's been other teams. The, the Yankees have come out and gotten caught doing stuff. The Red Sox have come out and they were caught doing stuff. I mean, I, I guarantee you there's plenty of other people that are doing stuff like this, stealing signs. Again, the Astros just took it to an extreme level. Two I wrongs just, don't, don't make understand. a right. It's like people who, like, you know, they get caught, like, getting blackout drunk and their friends, like, you know, rip on them for getting so drunk while they're also drunk. Like right, you're you're also doing the same thing. You just maybe didn't get as drunk as your buddy. So like, what are you what are you judging them for? Well, baseball, you'll be, you'll watch baseball for about a week, Jared, and then NBA. Yeah, know, and, July thirty first. How about that for zero positive tests? What what? That's a, pretty good. The bubble works so so far. So far. So far. Let's hope it stays that way. Well, um, I think we're going to get Mick McCabe on next, fellas, and then we'll round out the show with a little contest. But before we get to Mick. Just got to tell you, go online to SheridanAuctionService.com for info on their upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for email notifications. And congrats to Troy Crow, who's been voted the area's best auctioneer by Argus Press voters. Also, Nelson House Funeral Homes. Their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. Top priority, caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them the most. I can personally tell you, they're the best in the biz. For more details, see them on the web at nelson.house.com. And one final spot here, just uh, you know, our favorite spot to go hang out, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. They're open for dine-in service again. They have a full menu, specialized in pub sandwiches, and adhering to the latest covid code so check out our friends at rivals and if you don't want to eat inside definitely call for a to-go order on the line with us is a michigan sports hall of famer who's been with the detroit free press get this for five decades mick mccabe okay all-knowing son of swami look look in that crystal ball 
Will we have high school football? Uh, I think we'll have it for a while. Um, I think we'll get practice started pretty much on time. I have, we may even play a couple games. I just have a really bad feeling after that that things could get interrupted. And I think um, the problem is, uh, you know, kids are going to start testing positive. Mm-hmm. Where in the NFL, if that happens, okay, you're out for two weeks for bringing somebody up from a taxi squad. In high school sports, um, the people at the school board and the superintendent are going to say, wait a minute, you know, we got two kids. Uh, how many are we going to have next week? Maybe we should shut this whole thing down. And I think it's going to be up to the school districts to decide how that happens, or if and when that happens. And then, you know, we got a whole new ball game on our hands. Do you think that the MHSAA, with kind of like their announcement, how they're going to start everything on time, even though basically all the colleges are kind of postponing, do you think that they they announced that because they might be a little bit worried about sports becoming like privatized in a way, sort of like AAU, if they decide like, oh, we're not going to have a season, and then that'll give people a chance to kind of set things up ahead of time? Well, I think what's already happening are younger in the younger age groups. Uh, this club volleyball, mm-hmm. they're they're already holding tryouts and stuff like that. And it would just be, a, I don't think that's the intention of why uh, the MHSA announced what they announced, but, you know, maybe a byproduct of it. And um, so, yeah, I think they're trying, I think, hey, they just want to start this thing, see if we can get it going. And I think that was, uh, I think they just, uh, they weren't trying, there was nothing like, oh, we're going we're gonna to announce we're going, and that will keep kids from going to Ohio or Indiana. I don't think that was a factor in it at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was a, a factor in this uh, AAU and stuff like that, because that's gonna, that can happen instantaneously. Mm-hmm. As soon as anything goes on hold, these AAU people, club volleyball, they'll, uh, and youth football, oh my goodness, they'll be adding age groups uh, through high school. So that will happen automatically. Um, I just think that they just are hoping to get this thing going. Now, if they don't get it going, I know the governor had suggested, and it was talked about prior to that, that, uh, you know, they may look at switching it over to the spring. Do you think there's any real chance of that happening at all? Uh, That was the MHSA, actually, the one they came up with that plan. Uh And the governor liked it, and so that's why she mentioned it. It was an MHSA plan, and it was kind of like a last resort. If uh, this this thing um, pops up again, um, you know, big time, they're just going to shut it down and say, "Yeah, we're we're going to go in the in the spring." And you know, it's California did that, but they're going to start in February. And Mm -hmm. with their weather, that's going to be pretty cool. But we can't start. We can't have high school football games in February and March in Michigan. Even April could be pushing it a little bit. Um, So. Uh, I think it is a, a distinct possibility. I think we could be playing uh, high school baseball championships in the middle of July. Huh. And um, I, I think that's okay, too, because want to play uh, their seasons. And if that's what it takes, then that's what the MHSA is willing to do. Yeah, I, I saw some uh, people talking about, like, throwing out the idea that the Big Ten might move football to the spring. And kind of to your point, like, thinking about spring football in the Big Ten in February, March, April. It's not really the spring football that's the same as what would be going on in California, Arizona, or Texas. So it would definitely be messy. But the, the question that I have for you is, uh, you know, so they're obviously talking about if sports come back, there's going to be no fans or very limited fans anyway. And we had um, 
from our alma mater, Corona, the athletic director on a couple weeks ago, and he brought up a point that I hadn't really thought about, that with some of these smaller schools, the way that they offset the cost of having an event, you know, paying refs, paying to run the facility, and, you know, doing everything to have a football game or, you know, a soccer game or whatever, are the ticket costs. Has the MHSAA, anything that you've heard, even thrown out an idea to try and help schools out if they're going to have no fans to be able to put on an event like a football game or anything like that? Well, first of all, so you guys are from Nick and Nice High School, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got it. Legendary Hall of Fame coach. I actually knew him. Mm-hmm. He was a tremendous guy, and he had a pretty. His son knew, knows a little bit or two about <laughs> yeah, football. Yeah. Too. I'd say so. Tony up at Fair <laughs> State, but anyway, um, no, the MHSA there's they, they can't help them. You know they uh, they MHSA there's no dues to join the MHSA. They get their revenue from their tournament uh, games and the money they make on tournaments. That's how they exist. Um, now, with no fans, that's under phase four of the governor's plan, mm-hmm. okay, and to reopen schools. Uh, most of the state is in phase four. Now, uh, Mark Ewell mentioned there, hope to get uh, more clarification uh, through the governor's office on if that language is still accurate or not for phase four. There was some school of thought that uh, the uh, – the language where uh, volleyball, all indoor sports like volleyball and swimming uh, could not exist, uh, and football could only be with 100 people total. They think that language mistakenly was kept in uh, the 63-page report by the governor's office, and if they can get that language out and uh, make it more like phase five for high school sports, then they'll be allowed to have... uh, have fans, but uh, you know my thinking is this too: uh, the the uh, each individual school district should say we're having football games. You must wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You don't have a mask on, you cannot get in. And we're going to have security walking uh, the bleachers. And if you're not wearing your mask, the game will be halted until you leave the premises. Okay? Yeah, I know it's a free country and all that stuff, but uh, here, you know. This, the school district, uh, they're in charge of the, their grounds. And uh, people just have to be smart. And this stuff is making me sick for people who are refusing to wear masks. Oh. You know, for the first time in my life, I'm in the target audience of something. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's for this uh, coronavirus. So I, I've always got a mask on when I'm out in public. And uh, it makes it easier to, to rob places, too, when you walk in with the mask already on. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, uh, there's things they can do to help reduce the risk of this. And one of them is going to be masks. And I think schools, they need to have fans there if they're going to make any money at all. Because now, don't think that making money means they're you know, showing a profit for the school. No, they're just going to uh, write off some of their costs. Like you said, officiating, uh, school buses, uh, things like that. It's not like they're like they're making a bundle of cash on this thing. Well, is this something as well? You know, with uh, with what we're looking at, you know, you talk about the mask. I mean, just riding a school bus is yeah. you know, is treacherous if you look at the disease. I mean, are we going to be at a point where really players are going to be on their own? Their parents or they're going to drive to games? You know, not shower, shower at home. You know, those kind of measures. Well, I mean, uh, 
visiting teams never take a shower. That's true. They don't shower uh, unless, of course, it's like Muskegon playing at King. I would, I know those kids went uh, into the school building, uh, King building after the game last last year, and I'm assuming they took a shower because it's a long ride back. <laughs> but for the most part, visiting teams, they don't take showers after that. Um, but I think uh, there will be exceptions. Like the cross-country team, yeah, I would imagine kids like that are going to be on their own to get uh, to games. Um, football teams, no, I think they're, they're going to need buses. And, hey, my grandkids, 6, uh, 3, and 1, are wearing uh, masks to uh, daycare. So um, these kids can wear masks, too. Uh, to kind of like switch gears a little bit from uh, coronavirus, obviously the season got cut short uh, for the basketball teams like this year in the MHSAA. Who do you think that was the best team in the state, like if there was a statewide tournament this past year? Um, Ann Arbor Huron was really good, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, they handled Ypsilanti Lincoln easily. Mm-hmm. I do mean easily. Yeah. And they were set to play in that um, uh, district final at Eastern Michigan. That never happened, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Ann Arbor Huron would have been t- difficult to beat. I think Cast Tech, uh, they were playing River Rouge in the Division One uh, district final. They were supposed to be anyway, and uh, and that game never happened. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of those. I think the winner of one of those two games, yeah. uh, Lincoln and Huron and Cass and. Uh, uh, River Rouge, I think that would have been the best team in the state. How good a football player is a kid that grew up just down the road from Jared, Brendan Sullivan? He's really good. He had a really good junior year, and he kept getting better and better, and I thought he was spectacular in the state championship game last year. And uh, he's committed to Northwestern, is it? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think he developed last year the way he played from day one to game 14 you could see him get better and better, and I thought he developed into a, a Big Ten prospect. Yeah, and I think he put on about 25 pounds, too, of Man, muscle. that's easy for me to do, too. But <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Mick. Hey, yeah. we're, we're also here to talk about uh, your new book. After 50 years, you finally decided to put it all in a, in a hardcover, over 170 pages. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's, uh, it, was a pro- it was a byproduct of a project. Chris Thomas called me. He's our sports editor at the Free Press. And he said, did you ever think about doing an all-time uh, all, uh, dream team, like in football and basketball? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, there's guys in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s that I haven't seen um, that I can't compare. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, when was your first day here? I said, June 3rd, 1970. He goes, okay, that's perfect. 50 years. Can you pick a dream team? Uh, in football, boys and girls basketball, uh, for those 50 years, I said, "Yeah, it's possible," because I, you know, I paid to get the uh, access to the Free Press archives, so I knew I could get every single Dream Team. And um, from the very beginning in 1970, I had at least a hand in picking those Dream Teams. And then as things developed, <laughs> I got I was in more than uh, just a hand. I was in yeah. over my head. Um, <laughs> So I'm, in, you know, infinitely uh, familiar with all those guys who played on uh, all those dream teams. And, and to get them, I mean, it wasn't easy, though. I mean, oh, my God, how do you decide between this and that? 
there were some really tough decisions to make, but it was pretty cool, too. You know, anytime you put out one of those lists or a big list like that, you're going to get some grief. I mean, have you gotten any, you know, tweets or emails saying, how could you leave this guy off or this girl off? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, like the the one I, I just declared ineligible was Chris Webber. Right. Because he took money from Ed Martin when he was still in high school. Uh-huh. And the MHSA ordered uh, Country Day to take down the banners and give back the championship trophies. And uh, when they appealed, they showed up with a bunch of guys in dark suits. And the uh, executive committee of the MHSA folded like uh, Izzo's accordion and <laughs> said, well, we'll make it a recommendation. But, you know, recommend this. Uh, he's ineligible, so he didn't count. Um, yeah, there were some people who said, well, how about this guy? How about this guy? And I said, okay, sure, put him on. Who do you take off? Yeah. That's the thing. Give me somebody better. And this wasn't, and somebody said, George Gervin. Well, guess what, stupid? Gervin didn't even make our uh, all PSL team. He just, you know, he was a good player in high school, hardly a great player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got better. At, he, he just kind of blew up at Eastern Michigan right. and then went to the pros and had a fabulous career. But that's not the same kid who played at uh, Detroit Eastern High School. No way. Yeah. And this is based on how good you were in high school. So you you kind of famously don't have been pretty uh, loud about not liking the Fab Five that much. As somebody who I didn't really get to watch them, uh, I just don't understand, like, can you maybe explain why you didn't like them so much? Because I think they were awesome. I mean, I didn't no, get to watch them awesome. at the time. but oh, Absolutely. No question about it. My only problem was with Weber taking mm. money, illegally, of course, from Ed Martin. That was it. Mm-hmm. And Steve Fisher allowing Ed Martin to come in and be a part of the program. And him, you know, Ed Martin had season tickets, but... Uh, Fisher would give him tickets sitting right next to prospective recruits. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has nothing to do with them, yeah. how exciting they were. Oh, they were they were terrific basketball players, no question about it. I love Juwan Howard, and uh, Greg Stoda from day one said, Juwan Howard, Greg, Greg used to cover them for us, said, Greg, um, Juwan Howard is going to be the best of all these five guys. Which is saying quite a mouthful. I guess now, so. You know, Jay, I love Jalen Rose. I saw him in high school a million times. Thought he was a terrific player. Okay, and Jimmy King and Ray Jackson—they were, you know, good players too. Good complementary players. Okay, Chris Weber cheated like crazy. And Ed Martin, despite what Jalen says, Ed Martin was not this good-hearted person mm-hmm. who would just give out money to poor kids. Are you kidding me? This guy ran the numbers <laughs> in motor plants uh, in Detroit. You didn't pay up? He was breaking your leg. Yeah. Or he would break an arm. And Weber he got over 280 grand from from Martin. They paid him back about 45,000. And there were um, uh, Martin's associates who wanted to take out a kneecap from Weber. They knew exactly when and where they were going to do it, and and uh, he would, and uh, Martin wouldn't let him. And if Ed Martin wouldn't have died before the um, the his the case mm-hmm. went to a jury, um, Weber would have he would have done time. Wow! In a federal prison because he he got caught lying to a federal grand jury, and he had to admit he lied under oath 
And since Ed Martin had died, their case had been weakened like crazy, so they let him off with a hand slap. But he would have gone to prison. He was not a good guy. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a shame that, you know, that that stuff went on because the Fab Five is legendary, and, I mean, their legend still stands true and, you know, changes the whole game of basketball, but it's no secret that, that it's tarnished because of that stuff. And it's a shame because, yeah, we, we got to watch them. Jared didn't get to watch them, but that's kind of all you hear. Like, you hear about the legend, but then you hear about the other stuff, and it's kind of a shame. Yeah, although I, I don't know if they changed basketball. I mean, the fact that uh, they had five freshmen starting and got to the championship game, that was pretty cool, but that wasn't necessarily like – Irvin Johnson changing the game of basketball. Nobody had ever seen a six-nine point guard before in college basketball, and he, and he truly just like Bobby Orr mm-hmm. changed hockey with the way he played. There was never a defenseman who played the way he did. Um, they didn't change basketball. They made it a lot of fun, that's for sure, and maybe they changed it fashionably, you know, with the uh, the black socks and the long baggy shorts. But they didn't change the game of basketball. Now, you brought up Magic Johnson, and and the name of the book is Mick McCabe's Golden Yearbook, 50 Great Years of Michigan's Best High School Players, Teams, and Memories. I mean, the the generic, you know, question to ask a guy that has something like this out there, best basketball player you ever saw, does that go without saying it's Magic as far as your coverage? There is an argument to make that he's the best basketball player of all time. I know Michael Jordan and LeBron, and I think LeBron is terrific. I saw him play in high school. I knew he was going to be great. Okay, But nobody did for basketball what Irvin did. Just like, again, like I mentioned, Bobby Orr. To me, that's what's true. Uh, That's what the separator is. They changed the game of basketball. And I loved Michael Jordan. I mean, I just, I felt like I was rooting for them to beat the Lakers with Irvin. It was like I was cheating on my wife or something. You know, I felt guilty about rooting for him. But But I think Irvin Johnson was the greatest player ever. So, obviously, you probably get asked a lot about who's, like, who's the best player you've ever seen. But who's maybe the most exciting, like, player you've ever seen? In basketball? Uh, Yeah, let's do basketball and football. Well, basketball, I mean... It would have to be Irvin. I mean, he would grab a defensive rebound and in three dribbles be past midcourt already. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, he was was exciting. But then again, you go like with um, uh, Steve Smith uh, from Detroit Pershing Mm -hmm. was – tremendous. Larry Fogle, nobody remembers him, because he only played here his senior year, which was 73-74, and he got like 70-some points in a game <laughs> against uh, Cody. I mean, and this was no three-point line. Yeah. He was wild. Just a <laughs> great, great shooter, and took the ball to the basket, but mostly, mostly a, a perimeter guy, and unfortunately nobody no, they did get to the semis, but not a lot of guys really got to see him play. So I, I have a question that yeah. we talk about a lot on this podcast. We're, I don't know if uh, Ted kind of explained it to you, but we're from three different generations. Ted, older generation, I'm kind of in the middle, and then Jared is a young guy on the podcast. Yay, yay so Mick. Mick's got my vote. Debates, especially <laughs> when it comes to sports a lot. And Jared, a lot of times, he does take some digs at, at Ted for, <laughs> you know, basketball back in those days or, like, leather helmets back in the football <laughs> sure. days or whatever. How much did that stuff come into play when you 
started picking your dream teams, like thinking about how different the game of basketball was back in the 70s versus now, or football or anything like that? It wasn't that it wasn't that big of a factor because it's I saw it the whole entire that's when you talk about leather helmets and that that's why I didn't want to go back to the 30s or 40s <laughs> or 50s mm-hmm. or even the 60s with stuff because then it's really hard to compare but it was easy for me to compare now um, Tony Dungy for instance back when we started this um, the uh, free press dream team. Uh, they only had 11 guys on the dream team, and uh, mostly it was just offensive guys. Until we kind of said, "Hey, we got to do something with defense." And I had a, um, I had to call the coach at Jackson Parkside because Tony couldn't make. He was a tremendous quarterback, just tremendous, but he just didn't throw all you know all that much in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, they're throwing like crazy. And Mill Coleman with over 7,000 yards, uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, thankfully, Tony was a very good defensive back at Tony Dungy, and that's why he was able to make the team on defense. But, uh, yeah, it, the um, receiving positions, um, they were obviously a little more recently because they're throwing the ball more. Um, but except, you know, Antonio Gates didn't have overwhelming stats. But as a two-way player, he could have made as a linebacker, too. Uh, he was terrific. And then, um, you know, I'm sure you guys uh, remember the receiver from Michigan State, Charles Rogers, mm-hmm. and how exciting he was. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I had – and then basketball, um, you know, Dan Marley, I mean, he averaged um, – over 30 point, 38 points and 20 rebounds a game and hit something like 64% of his shots in the field. You know, that holds up in any era. And, you know, you remember uh, Glenn Rice and, uh, and Shane Battier. Uh, they were both iconic type players. And uh, most of you don't remember Campy Russell, who was just terrific. And, uh, Out of Pontiac, right? Yeah, yeah, Pontiac Central. Yeah. And, uh, and had a really good uh, career at Michigan and, and with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he, you know, he fit in, he would fit in today. He'd be a dominant player today, just like he was then, with the, wet, the skill set he had. Well, we could talk a whole lot longer. I got one final question. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you comment on maybe some of the better female athletes you've had a chance to cover. Well, you know, the, the McGee twins, Pamela and Paula, right? okay, and at Flint Northern, and um, uh, Tanya Edwards at Flint, South, at Flint Northwestern, um, she was the first woman to uh, win a state championship as a player and then come back and coach her alma mater to uh, a state championship. Dina Head at Plymouth-Salem was, uh, was maybe the best all-around player player, especially at her time she was, because she started as a post player, as a freshman, and then became a point guard as a senior, went to Tennessee, won a national championship as a freshman, because ironically, Tanya Edwards was injured, and uh, and ran the point for Pat Summit, and Pat said she never had a player so college-ready as Dina, and then just a year ago, Rakia Jackson. Um, at Detroit Edison, who had a really good freshman year. I, I think Ricky was the best player uh, I've ever seen. Um, just because she was so fluid and uh, and uh, did play, played 
inside, played the perimeter, really improved her shot from her junior senior year. And, you know, and then um, Allison Schmidt, the swimmer from uh, from Canton, who uh, what, I mean, ten, twelve Olympic medals. Wow. Um, it was really neat getting to cover her. One final on the females. I mean, I don't know if she made your list or not. Just down the road, little Class D school of Morris. Jamie Wesley, was she anywhere to be oh, found? Oh, she was terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Um, she made, I believe, the Class D team. Um, and she had, a, she had a really good team. Uh, yeah, Jamie Wesley um, made the uh, Class D first team. Okay. At Morris. She, I mean, I got, to, I just, she was, she made her all-state team when she was a senior in high school, but I hadn't seen her play. And then I got to Michigan State. When she got to state, I saw her play there, and she was very impressive there too. Well, there's all kinds of names and memories in Mick McCabe's golden yearbook. Again, 50 great years of Michigan's best high school players, teams, and memories. Uh, Mick, tell our uh, listeners how they can get themselves a copy. It's a real nice coffee table style book, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I think it, it. You can pre-order it now, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crucial. Um, so they can't just say, "Well, we're not selling enough. We're going to can it." Oh, it's McCabe dot pictorial book dot com. Perfect. And that's the uh, website. And, of course, they can follow you uh, in the free press and also any other spots. Twitter, give us a handle. Yeah, uh, Mick McCabe 1. All right, Mick. I tell you what, we really appreciate the time. Probably took more than you were expecting, but maybe oh, whenever fine. we have some high school questions or, or other things come up, we'll give you a jingle. Yeah. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, right, Mick. Thank you. Uh-huh. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Well, good stuff there with Son of Swami, and uh, we're going to get into a little bit of a contest coming up here. Before we do, I just want to tell you, thecoronaconnection.com, they know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. An advanced elevator company, well, they feature the top expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. Check out Advanced Elevator Company. Education is facing a whole new world with the COVID-19 pandemic. In normal times, there are tons of reasons why nearly 40% of Shiawassee County families choose Corona. Families choose Corona because our athletic program and high school are ranked as the best in the county by Nietzsche.com and U.S. News & World Report, respectively. Families choose Corona because of the relationships our staff has with our students and families. Families choose Corona because of our World Championship Odyssey the Mind program or our award-winning band, FFA, co-op, or other career-related classes like mechatronics or construction trades. Still others like our low elementary class sizes and the paraprofessional support our students get or the social-emotional support for all of our students. Finally, I believe families choose Corona because they trust us. And with COVID-19 pandemic, trust is probably the most important trait you can consider when thinking about what school district is right for your child. Here at Corona Public Schools, you can trust we are working hard to implement an educational plan that will work for every student and all families as the start of the 2021 school year gets nearer. Regardless of what phase our state is in, I can promise you this, any plan we implement will be based on the following cornerstones. Our staff loves our students like they're our own, we will do everything we can to keep your child safe. We will do everything we can within the law to provide normal school experiences like field trips or recess. And finally, we will do everything we can to challenge your child academically and provide emotional and social support. This is Corona Public Schools Superintendent John Fattel, and I guess when you get right to it, there's lots of reasons why people choose and trust Corona Public Schools. Remember, young or old, 
It's great to be gold. Call 989-743-6338 to set up a tour and find out for yourself why Corona is the right fit for your child. So with baseball starting back up, you guys know I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but I used to be. And I can appreciate um, a cool baseball player when I see one. So what I came up with is I want to do a snake draft. You know, you've been seeing a lot of these during the quarantine and all the, all the with with a lot of different sports talk radio shows because there's there's nothing to talk about. You know, thankfully this seems to be the last week before sports return for us. But I wanted to do a snake draft. So as kind of the creator, I think I'm going to take the first pick. I think that's only fair. And then we'll just go by age. So then we'll go to Matt, and then we'll go to Ted. Now, are we going for all-time baseball players or just baseball players we have seen? I guess we can go all-time. If they're your favorite okay. all-time player, you can throw them in there. So I'm just going to go first, and I'm going to take the most obvious first choice among our listeners. Ted, you got the Tigers hat on. This is a little bit of a pander pick to our fans, but Justin Verlander. I mean, I saw him pitch a no-hitter. Um He's just he's he's always been kind of a pretty much stand up guy. Obviously, he's had a little bit of trouble when he went to the Astros. A lot of people started to complain about him a little bit. But I mean, how can you when you see a guy throw a no hitter? I mean, that's an all time memory that whenever I tell people I saw a no hitter and I saw Justin Verlander throw one, they are almost always like, "Oh, like what was that like? That's pretty dang cool." So he's number one on my list. I mean, just the obvious first choice, Justin Verlander. And like you said, you were a baseball fan then. I mean, how? How cool was it, really? And I didn't even know what the heck a no hitter was until we were like midway through the game. Okay. So, but it was it was awesome. I, I still remember Maglio Ordonez catching the last out of that game, and like the crowd just absolutely erupting. I remember riding home on the bus because we took one of those uh, Indian Trails buses to the game, and just like I wouldn't, I couldn't sleep. I was just like amped. Okay. Are we doing three picks for three point podcast? Uh, five. More? Five. I say five. Okay. All right. So that is the first pick of the draft. Uh, Matt, your pick. Now that you explained it, I, I know why you went with Verlander because we've talked about that. You've seen the no-hitter a number of times. I thought you were going to go with Mickey. I really thought you were going to go that no. route. But for my first pick, it's the best baseball player in the history of the game, and I'd love to hear Ted's rebuttal on it, but it's Barry Bonds. And he, he's the type of guy that a lot of people you either fall one way or the other usually with Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. You either can't stand him because of the alleged steroid use or you recognize the player he was maybe before the alleged steroid use because he had numerous MVPs and gold gloves before he really started to bulk up. And then, I mean, I, I, he never actually tested positive. Obviously, yep. like, if you look at his body, he, he changed a lot. So he, it's hard to ignore. But the numbers he put up with the Giants are just absolutely insane. Like, they're numbers that are never going to be touched again. Multiple MVPs, multiple gold gloves, just all around. He's that five-tool player that you always hear about. Maybe he wasn't the nicest guy to the media, but whatever. Um, Barry Bonds is my number one choice. He, he is the almost perfect baseball player. Well, you got to put him right there, but I will have an argument to that if I get my pick and I get it right now. Uh, the greatest player of all time, Babe Ruth, hands down, hands down, 714 home runs. Started out as a pitcher with the Red Stocks. Came out of an orphanage in Baltimore. His home run lead over everybody else in that era was so staggering, it was unbelievable. You got Bonds, tremendous player, without a doubt, but helped by steroids. Babe Ruth, he was helped by hot dogs. I mean, you got to admire a guy like that. Babe Ruth, without a question, it's not that hard I, I, to can't hit. Believe, I can't believe he was still there at number three. It's not that hard to hit home runs when you got guys throwing 70 mile an hour just every single time, there no off-speed pitches. Some of the greatest pitch, pitchers ever in that era. 
Walter all Johnson, the big train, big train. True, all white guys can't argue that. But uh, for his era, Babe Ruth and Although many a lot people's will say he's the greatest like one player of, the, of all time. Where people wonder, wasn't Babe Ruth like he used to get made fun of all the time, like because like people thought that he maybe wasn't white? Uh, another good reason he had to fight off that adversary right yep. there, Babe Ruth. I'm sticking with it. Uh, but you also have the next pick as well, snake right. draft. So the snake draft, I will go with uh, the all-time hit king, Pete Rose. Yeah, he gambled as a manager, but he owns the record for the most hits. Charlie Hustle played the game of baseball the way it should be played. So I'm going to go with Pete Rose. Back to you, Matt. That's a solid one-two punch. I mean, Barry Bonds is definitely a better player than Babe Ruth, but we'll, <laughs> we'll settle that debate another time. But, uh, my, my number two, I'm going to go the pitcher route, and I guess I'm going to go, I'm, I'm sticking with my guns with steroid era type guys that are probably getting left out of the Hall of Fame, but I'm taking Roger Clemens. Because his sustained, all I think about with Roger Clemens when you see his numbers, the number of wins, the number of complete games, and everything he did, he was great. It, it, you know, a lot of pitchers maybe go, like they have waves, they're good at the beginning of their career, tail off, you know, or whatever. He was great his whole career. For like 25 seasons, he was one of the best pitchers in the league. So I just want a guy that I can throw in, like Verlander. Verlander's a great choice. A guy that you know every five days, boom. You're getting seven, eight, nine innings out of him. It's going to be a good start. Roger Clemens. I can't believe this guy wasn't your first pick, Matt. Uh, and that's the backwards hat himself, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, the swing, there's nobody cooler oh, no. in the history of baseball than Ken Griffey oh. Jr. Yeah, he might not have been the best, but he's just flat out the coolest player that's ever played the sport. The backward hat and the home run derby. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, just everything about Ken Griffey Jr. was just absolutely the best. I mean, the fact that I got him in the second round with a sixth pick is just an absolute steal. I would have probably taken him over Bonds myself. Oh, God. Of course, of course Uncle Ted is supporting Jerry. <laughs> and then my next, uh, my next pick, another pick I'm just surprised has made it this far, Derek Jeter. I mean, the Kalamazoo connection, the fact that he wore Jordan cleats, I thought that was the coolest thing in the entire world when I was like a little kid. I used to get his cleats. I used to the little the sideways like I don't know what you would call it like his trademark move where he would you know field a grounder and, and shuffle it to the second baseman. I mean he's just so cool. Then how can you argue with the way he went out hitting a home run? Uh, just a, what was it? it was the three thousandth hit? He just hits a home run out of the park. I mean just the coolest guy maybe to ever play baseball other than Ken Griffey Jr. All right. <laughs> I honestly thought the reason that you would want Jeter is because of the his, his legend with the ladies. And that the, as well. Eric Jeter gift bag. Chalk it up. That. I figured that would be your reason for wanting to pick Jeter. I was going to pick Jeter. I was going to take him maybe in a round or two. But, yeah, I definitely would want a guy like him, just a, a classic leader, the captain, you know, yep. number two. Derek Jeter, you can't go wrong. But I'm going to argue with your King Griffey Jr. thing. I think Barry Bonds' swing is sweeter than King Griffey Jr.'s. And I'll die on that hill. But I don't know. He's... Again, maybe an argument for another time. But my my number three pick is Miguel Cabrera, and the reason I want him is just I think he's he's one of the best. I think in this generation, maybe Albert Pujols, but in our generation, Miguel Cabrera is the best hitter that we've seen, like all around. Hits for average, can hit the gaps, hits home runs, drives in a bunch of RBIs. Obviously, he's tailed off the last couple of years. But for that, like, six, seven, eight-year run when the Tigers were great and winning the division all the time and going to a couple World Series, Cabrera was the best hitter in the game, maybe outside of Pujols, but he was much must-watch TV as a hitter in baseball. So I, I want a guy like Miguel Cabrera my, on my team. My one complaint about Miguel Cabrera, great player, 
just like, I mean, he wasn't very good with the media. Wasn't necessarily the coolest guy in the world. Like if he, if he had like Prince Fielder's like kind of charisma, like he's probably remembered as like Babe Ruth. Yeah. See, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I think like he has that because everything you hear about in the clubhouse is he's like the funnest dude to be around in the clubhouse. I think the language barrier and maybe like the culture thing kind of comes across with that because I get what you're saying because he doesn't necessarily speak the best English. It kind of makes it tough for him to be like in subway commercial yeah. or always on sports center or whatever, because it's kind of tough to understand what he's saying, but yeah. everyone in the clubhouse that, you know, can speak Spanish and hang out with him says he is like the coolest dude to be with. And he's always having fun. That, I mean, he's always out there having fun, joking with the fans in the stands and stuff. Like, I don't know. He, maybe it's a tiger's bias, but it's a tiger's bias, but I will say this. That's a very solid pick. And the, and the way I judge it is every time Cabrera was up to bat in his heyday in that five or six years, including the triple crown season, when you're walking by and the TV's on and Cabrera's up to bat, you had to stop and watch it. Yep. And he, even though everybody knows that Al Kaline is my favorite tiger of all time. Most, most people in my age group, that is the case. Cabrera is the greatest hitter for a tiger I've ever seen. So that's a good solid pick. Now it's up to me. Uh, I'm surprised that this has fallen this far, but for many, many reasons, my next pick's Jackie Robinson. Broke the color barrier. Tremendous all-sport athlete. Uh, Hall of Famer. Died too young, but just as a baseball player, you know, you give Branch Rickey some credit for signing him out of the Negro Leagues, but uh, the statement that Jackie Robinson made, the uh, the abuse he took in his first year or so, and he had to keep his mouth shut. Uh, you got to go with Jackie Robinson on this list somewhere, and I'll take him right there. The next guy I'm going to go with uh, uh, probably the greatest Pittsburgh Pirate of all time, Roberto Clemente, one of the greatest right fielders ever to put on a uniform, tragically died in an airplane crash trying to take supplies to the needy in the Caribbean. Uh, Roberto Clemente had one of the most rocket arms from right field of anybody. He hustled all the time. Jared, you notice my my theme there on hustle. But uh, Roberto Clemente, a tremendous player, a little bit underrated, I think. And he was he was tremendous. I think he – yeah, Roberto Clemente is awesome. I mean, obviously, I love I love Pittsburgh Pirates. Probably my second favorite team behind the Tigers. And who was the pick right before that? Remind me. Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie Robinson. I actually went as Jackie Robinson, too, as like my – as like Halloween like a couple years. So, I definitely loved him as well. Had the stirrups and everything. What number was he again? 42. That's right. <laughs> Only number retired in baseball. Yep. Your turn, Matt. No, those are those are definitely good picks. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, like – not like logically, I'm not not that you guys aren't, but I'm trying to think of like how to fill out my lineup. And I honestly, Derek Jeter would have been my pick here to be my leadoff hitter, but who I'm going to have to take is Ricky Henderson to oh, be my leadoff hitter. That's solid. And I mean, he's just the the greatest base stealer of all time. Fast. He, he was a great outfielder. You know, a great hitter too. He did hit for power a little bit. But if I can have my lineup be number one, Ricky Henderson. I mean, then either two or three, Barry Bonds, Miguel Cabrera. I'm going to drive in a ton of runs. So I'm going to Ricky Henderson. But I just saw this stat because I saw it the other day, and I wanted to try and find it. If a baseball player, like in Major League Baseball, stole 60 bases a year, 6-0, 60 bases a year for 22 years, Ricky Henderson would still have more stolen bases than that person. I mean, it's just crazy to think, like, stolen bases just aren't what they used to be. I know, Ted, you remember guys like that, like, stealing bases. Oh, like Lou crazy. Brock and Ricky so, Henderson and like Ricky Henderson, Tim Reigns. Yeah, good, solid pick. 
I don't want to like toot my own horn, but with my last two picks, I'm kind of like dominating this draft. Like I really am. Like I kind of hate to say it. <laughs> I'll take I, mine. This is another, I'll take mine. This is another hell of a pick right here. I mean, Big Poppy, David Ortiz. I mean, yeah, it sucks that he basically single single handedly beat the Detroit Tigers. Basically, single handedly beat the Detroit Tigers and the and the best Detroit Tiger team probably ever beat them. And so, like, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone loves him. Uh, he has the iconic 2004 series against the Yankees. I, he's just everything about Big Poppy. He's just he's the definition of clutch he's in cool. any sport ever. Definition of clutch is Big Poppy, and he's just a great guy. So I'm 100 for Big Poppy. And then my last pick, I'm going with this is the one that I'm kind of on the fence. I don't have like the home run pick that I'm waiting for here. I wasn't ever going to pick Miggy. Just I never really liked him. Yeah, he was really good. I feel like you guys almost went with the best player route. We did. I went with the cool, my favorite player. So, like, for example, Curtis Granderson, number five, Curtis Granderson. As terms of, like, when I was growing up, the guys that I just absolutely loved, it was Granderson. I, I love outfielders who are, like, fast. That's why I actually prefer, like, Barry Bonds when he wasn't the home run hitter, oh. when he was the skinny outfielder that was just all around a really good player. So that's where I, Curtis Granderson is, is cool. Uh, just when I was growing up, right at the peak of my like love for baseball, that's who my favorite player was. No, Granderson was the man, and he was definitely in that that team that you know helped turn around the Tigers. Yep. And the the big difference between like what you said about Miggy maybe not being the best with the media, Granderson was always like the best interview you would ever see. Great on TV, and you know just always seemed like a class act and all that stuff. So no, that's an awesome pick. And he was he was a hell of a player too. Mm-hmm. Granderson was great for a long time. Um, so yeah, that's a great pick, but. I, my my fifth pick, and I mean maybe because I am thinking about rounding out my team, and this is this would have been my fifth pick, uh, is the greatest closer of all time, and Mariano Rivera, the Sandman. I mean he was the first first player to ever be a unanimous pick to the Hall of Fame, which is a little strange. That probably shouldn't have been true, but like he was the first unanimous pick for the Hall of Fame, uh, the greatest closer ever. Like I said, and I mean if you can have Roger Clemens go for seven eight innings and then put Mariano Rivera for the ninth inning. Uh, I think I'm going to win a lot of games. So, yeah, I've got my starting pitcher and my closer right there. Do I still get a pick or am I done? No, you still have a pick. Just one, right? Or do I get two? Yep. Uh, yeah, one. you just have one. All right. Last that, pick of the draft. That's a tough one, man. I'll tell you what. I got. A, can I throw an honorable mention or is that going to be? Well, we'll do honorable mentions afterward. Okay. Then I'm a, I haven't had a pitcher yet. Uh, Matt had a couple. I'm going to throw the who I think the greatest pitcher of all time, Nolan Ryan. I'm going to put him on the list. Seven, are, are seven no hitters. Your fa- are you just picking the best players, or are you picking your favorite? He is my you favorite. You didn't even Did name Al say- line He's like your favorite guy of all time. I think you misunderstood what this draft was, if I'm being honest. I asked you if you're going all time. I'm, I'm going the greatest. I'm going the greatest players. That's what. That's what I'm, how I'm doing it. How are you doing it, Matt? Your favorite? Before, before we did this, you did kind of tee it up, Jared, as like greatest all time. Right. I, if, if we were going with favorite players, I would have made a couple different picks. Me too. Al Kaline would have definitely been on my list. All right, do we need to go through the receipts? I said – We can check the tape. I said with baseball returning this week, we could do favorite baseball players ever. You're going to your text or are you going to what you said on air? I, I thought air, you meant like all air, time. On like, air. Like, I thought you meant air. like all time favorite players. Like obviously it wasn't going to be all time – like obviously it wasn't going to be our favorite players in today's MLB. Is this worth a discussion? I don't. You kind of botched. Like I said, I knew I was I'm dominating with the draft. My picks. I knew I, I was dominating you. the draft. I okay, well, let's just for honorable mentions, throw out some of your favorite players then, because apparently we had some miscommunication here on the draft. <laughs> I'm, I'm unbelievable. I can't Unbe- believe we're no, even getting into a debate about it. I guess it. we can't do texts anymore. I guess we have to personally make phone calls because you're so old you can't understand text. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? I mean, I, mine wouldn't have been very different. 
we were going with favorite. I had a combination, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I think I think mine would have been pretty close to what what I said. I probably wouldn't have picked Rivera because I didn't necessarily like him. He played for the Yankees, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like my squad. I like my squad. I'll stick um, with mine too. <laughs> All right, you know, I uh, you know, uh, honorable mention Al Kaline, even though he, I, no, Al Kaline was a was a dweeb. Al Kaline was one of the greatest Tigers <laughs> of all time. But here's another one. That, okay, you want to go with my favorite players? Kurt Gibson. Loved the way Kurt Gibson played, not only for the Tigers, but what he did for the Dodgers in the World Series. That's one of my honorable mentions. Is that legit? I'll throw some of my honorable mentions. I had uh, Cecil Fielder too. Yep, Cecil. F- I had uh, I had Prince Fielder in my honorable mentions just all around. I mean, when he joined the Tigers and it was the Bash Bros, Miguel Cabrera and Prince Fielder, that was just incredible. Now, everyone loved that, even though it didn't make the most baseball sense. I still hate the Ian Kinsler trade. That basically ruined my fandom for the Tigers right then and there. Uh, but a couple of my other honorable mentions, I had Andrew McCutcheon. Just when you talk about swag, Andrew McCutcheon comes up. Cutch 22, Pittsburgh Pirates jersey, the – the jewelry, the the dreads, everything about the center fielder. He basically checks every single box for me in terms of favorite players. And then last one I had, just Tim Lincecum, the freak. Short guy, but just could, had an absolute flamethrower. I mean, how could you not just love him? Yep, I mean, that's that's a generation thing for sure right there. Yep. Your list. And it, so if we, if we were sticking with, like, favorite players, um, and I, that's what I did understand through text is we were going with favorite players. But then when we started doing this, actually talking about it on air, I had to change some of my picks because I thought we were going best of all time. Let's back up a second real quick here. I did ask for a clarification, didn't I, Matt? You did. You did. I thought yeah, you... and that's why I changed up a couple of my picks because I thought we were then switching to best of all time. So I don't, it's, it still worked out. We still picked some good teams. <laughs> you guys will see. Like I said, I dominated the draft. But whatever. <laughs> we'll let our listeners decide. I've got the best team for sure. I don't know. Can I just ask, how dumb do you guys think I am drafting um, Jerson Verlander with the first overall pick in the greatest of all time baseball players draft? That wasn't a red flag at all. Why? Why wouldn't he be up there? It was a little bit, but I mean, like you could make an argument that he's at least one of the greatest two no hitters. But I don't know. A little bit of a head scratcher, maybe. It is a little bit of a head scratcher, is right. Any other honorable mentions for you, Matt? Yeah, the, the honorable mentions I guess I would throw out that um, is like through, you know, talking about the generational thing, through the 90s, the Tigers weren't very good. I did still like them. But for some reason as a kid, I really liked the Cleveland Indians, like through the mid-90s. They were really good. And I love Kenny Lofton. And uh, Albert Bell was one of my favorite players. I mean, Albert Bell, he was definitely all, all juiced up. But he was just like mashing home runs. And Kenny Lofton was that guy, like you talked about Granderson, Jared, just like flying around center field, leading off, stealing bases, like hitting the ball all over mm-hmm. the place. So if we were going for favorite, I would have picked Kenny Lofton over Ricky Henderson. But since we went with best all time, I went with Ricky Henderson over Kenny Lofton. Yeah, and I would throw another honorable mention favorite, uh, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson in his heyday with his battles with Billy Martin and you know his Mr. October, three home runs in one game. Reggie Jackson was one of a kind. So. Yeah. I can respect Reggie Jack. I mean, Mr. October. I know right. basically. I know Reggie Jackson from Benchwarmers. He was in <laughs> the movie Benchwarmers, and they like pit mailboxes. So that was, he's funny in that. Yeah, he's good. Reggie's solid. So fire off real quick the five that you actually picked. Jared, yeah, you start off. What was the five you actually picked? For my favorite players. Oh, mine, and then you oh okay, yep. Oh, so I, I Justin Verlander with the first pick. Like I said, just the most obvious, the greatest Tiger of all time, in my opinion. Uh, if he had won a World Series, should have won a World Series, kind of got ripped off a few times. Uh, my number two was Derek Jeter, the captain. Number three, David Ortiz. Number four, Ken Griffey Jr., the swing. And uh, number five was Curtis Granderson. 
that's a solid squad for sure. That's a solid squad. Um, but yeah, I went. I went number one, Barry Bonds. My opinion, the greatest player ever. Uh, number two, I went with Roger Clemens. Just to have your your starting pitcher. Three, I went with Miguel Cabrera to have that all around great hitter. Going to spray the ball all over the field. Uh, number four, what did I do? I went with Ricky Henderson to have my leadoff hitter, stealing bases and just setting up Bonds and Miguel Cabrera to drive in a bunch of runs. And then the greatest closer ever and Mariano Rivera was my number five pick. And my five, uh, some of them I've seen on Newsreel. <laughs> some I have actually watched, but I had uh, Pete Rose. He was number two behind Babe Ruth, the greatest player of all time. Right fielder extraordinaire Roberto Clemente. I had Jackie Robinson, who uh, broke the color barrier, and Nolan Ryan, seven no hitters. So that's my list. Yeah, that's. I mean, when you, I can't wait to see like Fable when we post the favorite players attachment. And you have Nolan Ryan, who just seems like an absolute ass. Listen, he beat the hell out players. of Robin Ventura. What else do you need? <laughs> Babe Ruth, Babe, like that's just such a that's such a like token old guy pick. Babe Ruth, my favorite player. You got it like, now. You got to like, preface it as best slash favorite. <laughs> that's how you got to do it. <laughs> preface it with Ted didn't understand the draft. Well, that's what we were doing. Well, that's what happens. Senile. That's what happens when you get older. There's no question about it. All right, we want to. Well, there's some solid squads though. I, I was surprised, Jared. I did think you were going to pick someone like Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. I did think you were going to throw one of those guys in. I don't like either of those guys, if, if I'm being honest. I, I'm sick of hearing about Mike Trout, how he's this incredible baseball player, but yet he plays on a terrible team. I just absolutely hate that. And Bryce Harper, not the biggest fan. Obviously, like in terms of like today's hitters, like I, I don't even think I think this is the right name, Jose Batista, basically just because he did that sweet bat flip. Like that's one of my favorite highlights of all time, just because of the bat flip, and that's basically all I know about him. But that was awesome. That was really awesome. Pretty solid. Uh, do we want to? end it here or do we want to continue on with a couple other categories we had discussed we i'll just throw this out there i mean stadium foods obviously it's a little bit depressing since there's not gonna be any fans in the stands yeah, for we the can MLB, make it kind of quick but maybe it's something that you can eat when you're watching the games on tv obviously with opening day coming i mean just the most obvious my favorite thing in the world cinnamon pecans the like cinnamon and like sugar and like glazed like pecans that you get in the little cone shaped bag is literally my favorite snack of all time. I get that when I go to a gas station, just like at my house. Those are my favorite in the world. And my second favorite, I mean, the frozen lemonade that you can just eat with a spoon. Th- those are my top two things. I did when have I go that to, on my list. When I go to a ball game, those are the two things I get every single time. So let's again, oh, I wow. Matt. Those those came out of nowhere. That is not what I expected at all. See, I what do you guys think? I mean, obviously, Jared, I know what you think. The, like, roasted almonds, you know, toasted almonds or whatever, like what you just said. For me, that's more like a holiday thing. I don't no. know if I would really eat those, like, in a 95-degree day in the middle of the summer. That, that more, like, I, that makes me think of, like, Christmas time. I wish that we had I had those at Christmas. I've only ever had those at, like, a ball, at, the ball at the ballpark. That's, yeah. I feel like they're, like, a staple at the ballpark. They're their own stand, like, everywhere. Now, I want to get another clarification. You talk, you started talking about food when you're watching it at home, but then you slid into what it, the topic imagine, was like if you could at a, a game. Imagine like game. you're at a game, but imagine – I was just saying that as sort of a tie-in because we can't go to the field okay. as like right. you could potentially eat this at your house, I okay. guess. But, but it's ballpark food. Ballpark food, Okay, yeah. I'm with you. All right. Did you have one, Matt? Oh, yeah. I mean, mine, mine's classic. Like if, if we're talking about going to a game, I mean, I have to get a hot dog. Wherever it's at, I have to get a hot dog. I, I want it, you know, whatever ballpark I'm at, I'm getting a hot dog. And uh, I'm a sucker. Like, soft pretzels, hot pretzels are, like, one of my favorite things ever. I mean, like, whether I go to a restaurant, if they have them for an appetizer, or, like, when I was growing up, I always wanted my mom to buy a box of them so I could make them on the weekends or whatever. Um, so I want one of those big, huge, 
soft pretzels that's like bigger than your head dip it in mustard or cheese or whatever they've got and then i i mean i'm like classic too the frozen lemonade is good but i just want a classic the 22 dollar um ballpark beer i mean i want a hot dog a pretzel and some beer that's what i want at, at a baseball game that's pretty solid See, now in terms of like alcoholic drinks i like i said i haven't been to a baseball game where i've been 21 i've been to a baseball game since it's probably like 13 or 14 those like tall like margarita like frozen margarita drinks i, I feel like those are just delicious i haven't had one those but are I'm, too. No, this, those are delicious too and if it's like a 9500 degree day incredible yep. because they're cold but like Usually those also cost, you know, whatever, 20, 25 bucks. And, like, there's, like, no alcohol in them. So, I mean, like, yeah, you're basically drinking, like, a popsicle. It's like a, yeah, it's like a, what do you call it, a Slurpee? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree with Matt on one thing. I mean, you go to a ball game, you got to have a hot dog. And, of course, I'm going to have my hot dog with mustard, onion, and relish. They have those condiments sitting right out for you at Comerica. Now, I've I've made a few journeys to different ballparks. And if you go to Pittsburgh, PNC, one of their specialties is their Pramante Brothers sandwich. It's a, like what I like. It's roast beef and cheese on the sandwich, fresh cut fries, and sweet coleslaw. Now, I don't know if that sounds good to you guys. It sounds it's delicious, awesome because but it's I, don't think it's, I don't know if that's a fair pick. That's basically no. like picking a hot and ready at the Tigers games, which I know you've actually done before. And it was actually potentially <laughs> Bad one. Bad mistake. You actually, yeah, actually happened to be the one time that a guy spit in a hot and ready uh, pizza. You actually ordered one that day, so it could have been yours. Yeah, well, it's got to be hot dogs. I, I agree with Matt about the pretzel. That's always solid to pick up about midway through the game. The frozen lemonade, that's another staple down yep. there, especially if it's a hot day and you've already gone through a few beers. Uh, but uh, I guess that's about it. If you're, if you're saying I can't use it more specific because I've been to Camden Yards, too, and a Boog Pal barbecue, also pretty solid. Yeah. Barbecue sandwich. No, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, there's definitely, like, staples. I mean, I would say, yeah, Echo America, if you want uh, hot and ready, you would say, like, yeah, I want some Little Caesars pizza. Yeah, so, I mean, I, wherever you can get, like, the staples of whatever that stadium is, I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I, I know those sandwiches at, uh, in Pittsburgh are amazing. Unbelievable. All right, that gets us through stadium food. Anything else we want to talk Dude, about? All right, you know, since we're just doing baseball, this is the most we're ever going to talk about baseball. Let's just throw that out there because Probab- I'm, I'm almost probably. I'm about to. I bet you the listeners about to fall asleep, and I'm about to fall asleep. But <laughs> all right, favorite, you're looking all right, at me. <laughs> now I'm going to make this clear: not the greatest jerseys of all time, the favorite, your favorite jerseys of all time in all of baseball. So I'll just I'll roll through some of mine real quick. I know we're running a little bit long. Uh, the Padres like camo jerseys, unbelievably sweet jersey right there. The, the and I'll throw out just a few more. The nineteen like ninety five to like ninety eight like Detroit Tigers uh, jerseys, the blue ones with no buttons in the front, almost like just like a sweater vest looking uh, type jersey. I love those. The Roberto Clemente Pittsburgh Pirates jerseys, same sort of style. The seventies Oakland A's uniform, and then my last one, just the Diamondback jerseys with the purple sleeves on them. Just those are all the best jerseys that I've ever been worn in an MLB game. Those are pretty cool. I mean, I it's it's not a bias, it's probably a little bias, but I truly think the home white old English D. Detroit Tigers, the the home uniforms are, the, I think, in maybe like all of sports, some of the coolest uniforms in all of sports. That just such a clean look with a thin little pinstripe and the old English D. I think that's so cool. Uh, but if I had to go outside of Detroit, obviously, I think like in the mid '90s, it became like a fad. Like the Cincinnati Reds were one of the first teams to do it. Like basically, like cut off jerseys, and then they would wear like you yep. know long sleeves yep. or whatever under Sweet. them. And those are just so cool. Like, as a kid back then, I just started, like, cutting off all my baseball jerseys and stuff and trying to do that. So those Cincinnati Reds uniforms, 
And then I, I like the Oakland A's. Like you said, the Oakland A's would have been one pick. Um, but the Houston Astros, the ones like back in the day that were all the crazy colors. Yep, stripes, sweet. I still always think those are cool, too. So those, those would be my picks. Yeah, I've got really three. A couple of them are, we've already used. The Tigers, without a doubt. It's just classy as it gets. Hope they never change it. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, like you said, with the cutoff sleeves with the button down the front. Those are classic. But I think the number one baseball jersey of all time, hands down, St. Louis Cardinals with that insignia of the two Cardinals on the baseball bat on that the is front. A, that is that a is very solid. cool uh, jersey. I'll also say, just in terms of like jerseys that have been around forever, the Dodgers. How can you go wrong with like the Dodgers jerseys? Not Those bad. are freaking sweet. Classic, absolutely. What do you guys What do you guys think, like talking about like classic, like you guys are mentioning classic jerseys. Do you guys like the Yankee pinstripes? Again, yeah, they're a little I overrated, do. but they're sweet. They're I, overrated, but sweet. No, I like them. I like. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, they're cool because they're classic, but yep. I, uh, I think they're. I, I like the clean look of the Tigers' home white. I, I do like that better. Just the fact that the Yankees have like the earn your pinstripe thing is like is pretty sweet. Like, and the fact that they just like kind of made pinstripes their thing is right. like no one can wear pinstripes without you thinking of the Yankees. Without a doubt. The worst thing about the Yankees, though, and it's man, I'm getting on my. My soapbox about baseball. <laughs> they don't let people have facial hair when you play for the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, what is that about? Like, it's 2020. You're not going to let me have a beard. That's awesome. Play for the Yankees. Like, come on. That is awesome. I actually, that's just that's just why the Yankees are the Yankees, and we're the Tigers, and we suck. Aren't the Yankees the most? Uh, are, are they behind the Cowboys now? Which is the most expensive sports franchise out there? One that's worth. I the believe most money. they are behind uh, the Cowboys. Okay, I think the Cowboys may have passed them, but the Yankees have been number one for years and years, and you know, quite a tradition for sure. Yeah, the Cowboys. Cowboys are number one. I thought Real Real Madrid, the soccer team, might have been up there. Okay. Cowboys number one, Yankees number two, then Real Madrid number three. Pretty solid three right there. Yeah, that's for sure. And then what's crazy? Like to, to keep going. To, to, what's crazy is after Real Madrid, Barcelona, so another soccer club. But then number five are the Knicks. Really, the New York Knicks? Knicks have been. Yep, the Knicks worth four billion dollars. Dolan better think about selling them. <laughs> yep. They might get a product if they if he gets rid of them. That's crazy. All right, guys. I tell you what, uh, this has kind of been a fun show. Uh, definitely. Uh, differing opinions on things and it's good to know that jared's still keeping an eye on me that's for sure all right we'll call it a wrap everybody just make sure you let our partners know you listen in they include advanced elevator corona connection rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral homes and sheridan auction service i'm going to say again a big thanks to mick mccabe he has a book coming out 50 years covering sports covering high school sports primarily for the detroit free press and definitely Check out the Freep online. You can figure out how to order it, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good read, especially if you've followed high school sports in Michigan for all these years. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel, thanking you again for joining us here on Three Point Podcast. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ MidMichigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.